T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome to Healthy Matters, presented by Hennepin Healthcare a network of neighborhood clinics, specialty centers, hospital, and Minnesota's Level 1 Adult and Pediatric Trauma Center. Please remember we can only give general medical advice during the program, and every case is unique. We urge you to consult with your personal physician if you have health concerns. Now, here's Denny Law with your host, Dr. David Hilden, internal medicine physician with Hennepin Healthcare with more Healthy Matters. Hey, good morning. Welcome to this edition of Healthy Matters on this Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to you, Dr. Hilden. Thank you, and to you, Danny. Thanks to all the, or thanks. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Yeah, absolutely. They're, they're going to have kind of a nice day, at least around these parts. Is it going to rain or something? No, it doesn't mention any precipitation. So, so it's, it's time for grilling and get. I yeah. always think of the Father's Day. I'm doing none of the above, you know, but I'll, I should call my dad. Happy birthday, Dad. Yeah. Or, or happy Father's Day, Dad. Yeah, your your folks uh, come and see us at the state fair all the time. They do, they do. We'll be out there again this year. That's I think. right. We're in the early planning stages of that, but yeah, my folks are regular listeners of the show. So happy Father's Day, and, and to all dads out there. That's right. What what I mentioned this earlier today on the show, but what, what are we going to be doing today? Who'd you bring with you? We're going to talk about uh, blood cancers today, specifically leukemia. But we're also going to just briefly, speaking of fathers, yes. we're going to briefly talk about men's health issues in about. 10, 15 minutes. Last week, I had told people about our uh, Here for Health series coming up that's at the the Clinic and Specialty Center in downtown Minneapolis, and Dr. Travis Pagliara is is a urologist, and he is uh, doing a free health seminar for men about men's health, including sexual dysfunction, bladder and prostate issues, um, incontinence, all all that kind of fun stuff that isn't so fun. And so he's going to be calling in at 7.50. That event is on June 20th on a Thursday evening. So you might want to listen in at about 7.50. We're going to talk more about that in for men's health. Coming up this week? That's coming up just yeah. this Thursday. But today we're going to talk about something that I'm really excited to be talking about. We're going to talk about leukemia and blood cancers. The reason I'm so excited about that is that I've wanted to do this subject for some years and for various reasons, scheduling this, that, and the other thing. Um, I wasn't able to pull it off, and so we, you know, and and um, been trying to get it back on the show. And I have Dr. Dan Pease, who is an oncologist, because you need an oncologist to talk about this one. It's a complicated thing, um, blood cancers and leukemias, and well beyond my area of expertise. So, um, Dr. Pease uh, graciously agreed to be on the show. Dan, welcome to the show. Yeah, hey Dave, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Good to have you here. Now, I've known uh, Dan for some years. Joined our medical staff just last year, right? Yeah, about a year ago. And he is a cancer doctor. Why cancer? Why'd you go into that? Good, good question. You know, people, are you still wondering about that? <laughs> some days I do. Some days I don't know. You know, people ask me this all the time, and you'd you'd think I'd have a stock answer just to kind of you know get it out of the way. I think um, you know, as a medical student and a internal medicine resident, you're exposed to a lot of different specialties. And at a certain point, something just kind of clicks with you. You know, you say, I'm interested in this. I think I'd be good at it. And for me, that was 
blood and cancer disease. And I think what, I, what attracts me to it is, you know, the science of it has really taken off in the last 20 years. And, you know, I could kind of sense that as a medical student more as a resident. And so that was really interesting to me. I said, I want to be involved in this field because things are happening, right? They really are, aren't they? Moving from, you know, 20 years ago, the standard approach to most cancers was still chemotherapy, mm-hmm. which is, um, you know, can't be effective for some cancers, but comes with lots of toxicities and is not specific to the cancer cells, results in a lot of collateral damage. And there's been, a, at, at first, a slow movement, now a more rapid movement towards more targeted therapy, using the immune system to fight cancers. And so I was just kind of coming up on the cusp of that, and I said, this looks seems really interesting. And then also, I like getting to know my patients. You know, mm-hmm. once you have a cancer mm-hmm. diagnosis, you get to know your oncologist really well. And I like taking a complex topic and explaining it to people in a way they can understand. You know, and it's it's not something that everybody can do. I think it's one of one of my skills that makes me, um, you know, a good fit for the field. So. Yeah, um, I can't think of too many fields in medicine that have changed so much. Maybe rheumatology because mm-hmm. they have some a lot of new things. But right. but you know, I think there's a lot of people listening right now who hear cancer and still remember it. How people used to talk about it when they whispered, mm-hmm. <laughs> you didn't even say it out loud. You go, that person has cancer, mm-hmm. and then you know, and they wouldn't even. And it's still a serious diagnosis, but it, it is. Um, more changes, I think, in the diagnosis and the therapeutics, the things we can do, as you've mentioned, of almost anything I can think of. Yep. Um, and so I even read, I give a little talk sometimes around the community, and one of the things I talk about is what do people die of? And, and, and that's a nice Sunday morning topic of what do people die of. But it's still heart disease, number one, and cancer is number two. But cancer is dropping a little bit. Um, in uh, down, it's still number two, but it's it's the number of of people dying of it is actually dropping, and so that's because of new treatments. We're going to talk today about leukemia, which is um, a big grab bag, even to medical students and other doctors. Like a general internist like me, I still get bewildered yeah. by the leukemias. Mm-hmm. So, could you give us leukemia one hundred and one? Sure. What is it a cancer of? Yeah. Yeah. So you're right. Leukemia is a big group of diseases. It is cancer of the white blood cells. So, and the the name literally means white blood. You know, so back in the 1800s when, you know, doctors didn't really know what the patients had, they would pull their blood into a vial and look at it. And they said, well, this blood looks white. And so in extreme cases of leukemia, the white blood cell count actually is high enough to turn the blood from the normal dark red color Mm. to white. Mm. And so how does this happen? Well, all of our blood cells are made in the bone marrow. So in the middle of our big bones, in the pelvis, in the femurs, in the spine, the humerus. And the growth of our bone marrow cells is very organized, right? We've got a certain percentage dedicated to white blood cells, a certain percentage dedicated to red blood cells, platelets. And what happens with leukemia is the white blood cell, you know, one particular type of white blood cell, sort of escapes that normal growth pattern, starts growing too quickly, the cells don't die. There's supposed to be checks and balances in place to prevent them from growing. But instead they grow out of, you know, out of the, out of a, everything gets out of balance. And so you end up with too much of one type of white blood cell in the bone marrow. And eventually those white blood cells spill into the blood and you're able to detect them on routine, you know, peripheral blood counts. 
So a lot of people, including me uh, some time ago, are thinking when you think of a cancer, you think of a big solid thing. Lung mm-hmm. cancer is a big mass. I have right. a mass. I have a yeah. brain tumor. Mm-hmm. This doesn't sound like a mass. It sounds like, like, who cares? So what? You have too many cells floating around in your blood. It's not a specific mass. I know. I Why know. does it cause a problem? Then? Yeah. So that goes back to the bone marrow. So everything in our, you know, in our blood system is supposed to be in balance, a certain percentage of white blood cells, red blood cells, platelets. And when you have too much of one, you often have, don't have enough room for the others. And so too many white blood cells means oftentimes anemia because you don't have enough room for red blood cells, low platelets because you don't have enough room for them to grow. And then if you have too much of one type of white blood cell, well, then you don't have enough of all the other white blood cells. You know, our immune system functions as a very diverse group of cells that all orchestrate together. They all have their own roles. So if you have too much of one, you know, those cells are not really functioning as your immune system anymore. The immune system thrives on diversity. So if you have one type of cancerous white blood cell, you've lost that diversity and your immune system becomes deficient. So I think a lot of people, when you think of blood, they think of water and red blood cells. I get it. It's red, mm-hmm. red blood cells. They mm-hmm. carry your hemoglobin, your oxygen right. back and forth. What do white blood cells do normally? Yeah. So white blood cells, are, when people say, you know, use the term immune system or, you know, I'm, I'm fighting an infection or, you know, autoimmune diseases, all these types of things refer to our white blood cells. So they all, there's, you know, at least 10 different kinds of white blood cells. I won't get into the specifics. But each one has a role, you know, and in general, their role is to detect foreign uh, antigens in our blood. Antigen is a fancy word for, you know, a foreign object, not supposed to be. Evil invaders of some kind. Exactly. We get a virus, a bacteria, a drug, you know, our immune system reacts to all these things. And their job is to say, all right, this shouldn't be here. Let's get rid of it. You know, and so it starts in the bone marrow where the Cells mature, they're released into the blood to circulate throughout the body. Some of the immune cells go into tissues. Some of them go into lymph nodes. So we have thousands of lymph nodes in our body. That's where lymphocytes live. And they're like little outposts of the immune system. The blood is slowly circulating um, through the lymph nodes. And if something foreign is detected, the immune system says, all right, should we react to this and get rid of it? Is lymphoma then like leukemia? Yeah, so if, if someone says, well, I have blood cancer, they could be referring to both leukemia or lymphoma. Okay, so a lymphoma um, starts in our lymph nodes. Okay, so lymphocytes, B cells, and T cells are housed in our lymph nodes throughout our body. If those turn into a cancer, that's a lymphoma. Leukemia, on the other hand, starts in the bone marrow. And so those cells are, circ- you know, as they're released from the bone marrow, they're circulating throughout the bloodstream. Now, there is a lot of overlap. Mm-hmm. So when people talk about a disease called CLL or chronic lymphocytic leukemia, it's actually almost an identical disease to a type of lymphoma called small lymphocytic lymphoma. It's just all about location. Where are the cells? Where are the cells in the lymph nodes or are the cells predominantly circulating the bloodstream? And both can be happening at the same time. So in some cases, it doesn't matter whether you call it a leukemia or lymphoma. It's whether... You- you know, you just have to figure out what type it is. So how does – here's kind of a million-dollar question. How does one get it? I mean, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is, you know, some of the cancers, some of them, colon cancer, we're not exactly sure why you get it, but there's a family you know, mm-hmm. connection probably. And we know that if you get your colonoscopy and you catch it early, you can likely find it early, and it's – Awful cancer, but mm-hmm. curable because you found it early. Right. How does one know or would one find out you have 
leukemia. Yeah. So that could be tricky, right? Because like for breast cancer, right? A woman has a mass in the breast or they have a screen in mammography. That's how we diagnose most breast cancers. For leukemias, there is no one symptom that is really pathognomonic of this disease. A lot of the symptoms can be what we call constitutional, so they're not specific to one organ system. It can be fevers, weight loss, um, you know, fatigue, that kind of thing. Um, which I got co- those. Yeah, right? Don't we all? I know, <laughs> Don't right? Don't we all, yeah. Monday morning comes around. Oh, yeah, gosh, I I'm exhausted. Yeah. Right, I know. And so most people with these symptoms, you know, is it maybe it's a transient virus, you know, you feel crappy for a couple of days, mm-hmm. and, then you, and then you get better. People with leukemia, those symptoms might be more prolonged. They don't get better. You know, the average virus should get better within a week, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe they don't have um, that recovery. There are some symptoms that are more specific to leukemias, like if the leukemia is taking up your bone marrow, you don't have enough platelets, well, you'll have bleeding problems. Mm-hmm. So people might come in with big bruises on their body or bleeding from their gums when they're brushing their teeth. Um, some leukemias actually do enlarge the lymph nodes, which is where that um, overlap between leukemia and lymphoma happens. You lump in your neck or yeah. your groin or something. Exactly, which yeah. is very common with CLL. So mm-hmm. they may present with lymph, uh, enlarged lymph nodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there are some things that are at least possible. We're going to talk a little bit. We're going to talk a lot more um, about leukemias with Dr. Dan Pizzi. He's an oncologist at Hennepin Healthcare, one of my colleagues um, in our um, uh, really, really good Comprehensive Cancer Center, which I'm going to tell you a little bit more. We're also going to talk to Dr. Travis Pagliari by phone, Pagliara, sorry, um, about men's health. So stay tuned for that. Very good. We'll take this break. If you want to, excuse me, get involved in the conversation, 651-989-9226. Text is 81807. 59 degrees on this Father's Day here in the Twin Cities, heading near 69. And welcome back to Healthy Matters on this Sunday morning. We'll uh, get back to our topic of leukemia and uh, get your questions uh, answered by phone and by text. But, Dr. Hilden, uh, we promised uh, we'd talk to uh, another doctor about another topic. I did. We were going to do this last week, but things happen in life. And so we're going to talk to Dr. Travis Pagliar. Travis, are you on the phone with us? I am. Good morning, Dave. Good morning. How are you doing? Good. Good. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to you as well. So we are... um, we're talking about men's health a little bit. We're, talk- we're doing a show on leukemia today, but I wanted to talk to you about the event you're doing this coming Thursday. Could you tell us about it? Absolutely. I think it's important on a day like today with Father's Day where men generally don't take care of themselves very well, don't like to go see the doctor, to realize that we're, uh, we're also patients too. And so next Thursday, we're going to be talking about some of the stuff that might be considered a little bit sensitive um, some diseases that purely affect men, like prostate cancer, like erectile dysfunction, stress incontinence for men, uh, and some other diseases. And we're going to talk about it in kind of a nice big open forum. It'll be comfortable. There's not going to be anybody being called out or questioned in person. So uh, it's an easy way for people to come get some information and learn about the signs and symptoms of certain diseases that affect men. That's that's terrific. I think what you mentioned, Travis, is so important. You know, Guys, men don't generally like to talk about this stuff. Maybe they do to you in your one-on-one in your clinic, but it's hard to get information about it. Absolutely. And there's a lot of unreliable information, especially about the topic of erectile dysfunction. I mean, people go online and they find all sorts of stuff. So 
um, really it's good to go to someone who's reliable, who's trained in, you know, treating these diseases and get, um, you know, information that's not going to harm you possibly too. So this event is this coming Thursday. I've, um, listeners, um, last week I mentioned it on the air and a whole bunch of people called right away and signed up. There's plenty of space for you as well, and, and um, you are not alone. If you're interested in these topics, there will be a good um, a non-threatening um, way to do this. I'm going to give you the information, listeners. It's this coming Thursday, June 20th from 6 to 7 p.m. at the Clinic and Specialty Center. It's located at 715 South 8th Street. Conveniently just at 8th and Park in downtown Minneapolis. And there is underground parking right there. So if it's raining or sleeting or hailing or whatever, you can just take get the underground ramp, go right up to the event. It is this coming Thursday, June 20th from 6 to 7. To sign up, go to uh, hennepinhealthcare.org. That's all one word, hennepinhealthcare.org slash health. We also have a phone number, and I'll say the phone number again later in the show, but the phone number is 612 612- Eight seven three four nine six zero six one two eight seven three four nine six zero. So, Doctor Pagliara, the you know, do you see men? Um, yeah, I know you do see men in clinic with both erectile issues and bladder problems, prostate issues. But there's a lot of treatments now that people aren't maybe familiar with. Are you going to go over what some of the things um, people can do for these issues? We are. We're going to hit the entire gambit. I mean, this is meant to be an all-in-one informational session where you can learn about everything from medications that might treat your problems to full surgeries, you know, much more invasive uh, solutions, but those that have been around for a long time that a lot of providers just aren't aware of because they don't have specialized training in that area. So, again, this is going to be a nice open forum where you can come, just sit in the back of the room if you don't want to talk to anybody and don't want to have anybody questioning you. I'm not going to be calling out and polling the audience at all, I promise. (laughs) Um, But everybody should be able to come and hear what they want. And there's no problem if you hear what you need and then you want to leave. It's it's an open walk-in, walk-out sort of scenario. What a great event. For listeners, um, Dr. Uh, Travis Pagliari is a urologist at Hennepin Healthcare. He's been on the show before. We did a great show in the past. We're going to try to get him on in this coming summer or um, in the um, real near future. But this is an event. Yeah, we'll do a follow-up. Yeah, we'll do a follow-up on this. Um, He's great on the radio. He's a great teacher. He's also just a decent guy. And probably most importantly, he's a fantastic urologist. That is this Thursday, June 20th, 6 to 7 p.m. Go to hennepinhealthcare.org slash here for health to learn more. Or the phone number again is 612-873-4960. It is free, but you do need to send an RSVP. Dr. Pagliara, thanks a lot for being on the show. Have a good Sunday. Great to have you. Thanks a million. Bye-bye. And again, uh, let me give you our phone number and text number. We're talking about the leukemia on the show today, 651-989-9226. Text, if you prefer, is 81807. I do. I have a lot more to talk to, to Dr. Pease about how we uh, diagnose leukemia and all of that. But you know what I thought we might do is, uh, do yeah. we have time? So sure. We're going to take go to the phones real quick. Let's do that. Lynn in Napa Valley is calling. And Lynn, what is your question? Uh, my hemoglobin has been steadily dropping. Um, my general practitioner sent me to uh, an oncologist hematology, and they did a bone marrow in March. That came back that I didn't have cancer. Um, I'm very fatigued, and the, my red platelets are 
increasing. They're getting larger all the time. So the red blood cells, we have just about a minute or or to go. D- sure. Dan? Yeah, hey, Lynn. Um, thanks for calling in. And I'm, I'm sorry about your anemia problem. You know, I think um, first from a leukemia standpoint, you know, I think doing a bone marrow biopsy was the right thing to do. And if that was negative, if that did not show leukemia, I want you to be reassured that I, I think that that's a good test to rule it out. Now, as to what's actually causing your anemia and the symptoms related to it, if your red blood cells are getting larger, there are certain uh, conditions that can be checked on to make sure it's, that we're not um, missing something related to the anemia. So, and I think the oncologist would be able to help your primary care doctor figure out What's the underlying cause of the anemia? But again, if you already had bone marrow biopsy, I think that's a good place to start. So you've had a, a good workup up till now. Maybe there's more investigating that needs to be done. Thanks for your call, Lynn. Can you? Um, we were we're talking about diagnosis. When does somebody need a bone marrow biopsy? And you're the guy that does them. Mm-hmm. So what are you doing when that happens? It's kind of relevant to Lynn's call. Yeah, yeah. Who, so who needs a bone marrow biopsy? That's a good question because I get a lot of consults where you know someone will. It usually starts with abnormal blood counts. You know, so peripheral blood counts, very commonly ordered test. Maybe someone's looking to see if somebody has an infection. That's just a blood test. Yeah, just a, you know, a, a poke in the vein. We're checking peripheral blood counts. And so some, so something in there will be abnormal. If the white blood cell count is high and maybe there's some anemia or low platelets, the suspicion for leukemia might be increased. And so I will see them. And I'll kind of look at... You know, we'll start with a peripheral smear. So that's actually we, we take a drop of blood and look at it under the microscope. And we can there's some clues on there that can tell us, well, this is more or less likely to be a leukemia, a primary bone marrow problem. And if our suspicion is high enough, then we say, all right, let's go ahead and do a bone marrow biopsy. All right, we're going to talk a lot more with Dr. Dan Pease. He's a hematologist and oncologist. They kind of do both of those things because they're related. Um, at Hennepin Healthcare, we're talking about leukemias. We will take your calls and texts um, after the break, and we have a lot more to talk about, so you're going to want to stay tuned for that. All right, very good. In the meantime, as we head to the break, we do have another half hour of the show to go. Keep that in mind. Uh, we have callers on the line. We have texters as well. Uh, stay on the line, please. We'll uh, get your uh, questions answered as soon as we uh, finish the break and be right back. Uh, In the meantime, here's our phone number, 651-989-9226. If you prefer, send uh, your question via text at 81807. That's 81807. In the Twin Cities, we have 59 degrees, heading for 69 today, this Father's Day. 54 tonight, chance of showers tomorrow near 76. Again, overcast and currently 59 degrees. Welcome to Healthy Matters, presented by Hennepin Healthcare, a network of neighborhood clinics, specialty centers, hospital, and Minnesota's Level 1 Adult and Pediatric Trauma Center. Please remember we can only give general medical advice during the program, and every case is unique. We urge you to consult with your personal physician if you have health concerns. Now, here's Denny Law with your host, Dr. David Hilden, internal medicine physician with Hennepin Healthcare, with more Healthy Matters. And good morning. Welcome to this portion of Healthy Matters on this Sunday morning. Father's Day, happy Father's Day. To all the dads out there and to you as well, Dr. Hilton. And to you, Danny. Happy Father's Day, everybody. I hope you have a great day, whatever you might be doing. 
And for those of us, uh, for the listeners, that is, that uh, joined us a little bit late, uh, what are we talking about? Who did you bring with you? We've been having a great conversation about leukemia with my colleague in the Hennepin Comprehensive Cancer Center, Dr. Dan Pease. Dan, great to have you on the show. I was going to say, great to have you back on the show, except there is no back. This is the first time Dr. Pease has been on the show. I hope to have him on plenty more times in the future. We've been talking about leukemia, a big, um, a big uh, topic of, of blood cancers. Uh, I do want to just, um, one of the listeners texted in after uh, about the, the men's health session and was having trouble getting to the website. It, it's this Thursday at 6 p.m., but the website is hennepinhealthcare.org. And there's no spaces in any of that. HennepinHealthCare.org forward slash here for health. And instead of the spelling out the word for, put the numeral for. Maybe that's the trouble people are having here. Number four, health. I have checked it over the break. It does work. HennepinHealthCare.org slash here for health and use the numeral four. Okay, back to leukemia. Before we get to the phone lines, which are filling up, and the text lines, I wanted to get a little bit more about um, diagnosis and some treatments of leukemia. So we talked a little bit about we were getting into bone marrow biopsies um, and when that might be necessary. What then are you looking for in that marrow, and what do we do next? Yeah. So maybe first, just a little bit about the procedure itself. So this is a procedure we do in the office almost on a daily basis. It's fairly routine. It's not a surgery. It's done under sometimes minimal sedation, sometimes not at all. Does it hurt? It can hurt. It, it doesn't it look can. fun, Dan. You know, if you, I always tell my patients, don't YouTube the bone marrow biopsy videos because, you know, some people have decided to record it, and it's usually not the people who are sleeping through it or having a good time. But it's, it's relatively straightforward. We numb up the back part of your hip. We clean off your skin so it's a sterile procedure, and we take a very small piece of the bone marrow out. And, and so it's a, you know, it's a two-centimeter, you know, an inch, very thin piece of bone marrow, and we send that to the lab, and they, they process it, and they look at, okay, are the normal cells there? Are there any abnormal cells or leukemia cells present? And we have the results back in a, you know, a couple days. And so that's kind of if we are suspicious enough to look at a bone marrow biopsy, then we, we get those results back in a few days and say, Yes, there's some leukemia there. No, there's not. Let's go looking for another reason for the low blood counts or the symptoms you have. So you do, you say, yes, there's leukemia there. You run a bunch of lab tests on it and you determine which type because, as we said earlier, there are many types. There are. So there's kind of four main types of leukemia, although there's, you know, at least 10 other, you know, less common types. We tend to divide leukemias into whether they're acute or whether they're chronic. That's really the most important first question because an acute leukemia takes someone in their normal state of health and gets them pretty sick, sometimes within a few days in the more extreme cases, oftentimes within just a couple weeks. And they come in with new symptoms, you know, fevers that won't go away, profound fatigue, body aches, bone pain, and blood counts that are abnormal. And we do the bone marrow, we diagnose acute leukemias, and we really want to start treatment on them right away in the hospital. Within days. It's kind of an emergency. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's two types of acute leukemia, acute myeloid leukemia and acute lymphocytic leukemia. And that just depends on what type of white blood cell the cancer came from. AML and ALL. Exactly. Which are the kind that kids get? Because people often know that kids can get this. Right. So leukemia is actually the most common type of childhood cancer. Now, I should say I don't treat children. I'm an adult hematologist, oncologist. But the most common type of childhood cancer is ALL, acute lymphoid leukemia. And thankfully in kids, it's curable in the vast majority of cases, up to 90% of Childhood ALL is cured. Um, 
ALL is much less common in adults. AML is by far the most common acute leukemia. Okay, so those are that's kind of how um, acute leukemias present in the the two main types. The chronic leukemias, there's two main types: CML and CLL. So again, you have this chronic myeloid leukemia, the chronic lymphoid leukemia. Those leukemias sometimes, actually, probably the most frequent way to diagnose them is totally by accident. So they get a patients come in, maybe they get an annual uh, blood counts with their physical exam. Maybe they have some other routine symptoms that are being evaluated. And then we say, whoops, the white blood cell count, you know, should be four to 10,000. Maybe it's 15,000, maybe it's 20,000. And so then we go on an investigation. And that's usually how we diagnose chronic leukemias before they're symptomatic. So chemotherapy is still done. What about, what about what's a bone marrow transplant? Is that the next step or is there something else in there? Sure. So yeah, before a bone marrow transplant, whether a patient needs that or not, there's always some treatment before that. And so if it's an acute leukemia, it is still, chemotherapy is still the backbone for that. Now, there are some types of acute leukemia where we're starting to incorporate molecularly targeted therapy with the chemotherapy right off the bat. And then after, the goal is to get them into remission with chemotherapy. Once they're in remission, then we make an evaluation on whether they need a bone marrow transplant to optimize their chance of cure. So that's acute leukemias. Bone marrow transplants for chronic leukemias used to be fairly common 20 years ago. Now it's very uncommon to require a bone marrow transplant for chronic leukemias, and that's because we've had so many new treatment advances. I mean, the number of drugs that have come out for CML or CLL is now, you know, you can almost number it into the dozens. Are now. these these biologic medications? They are, yeah. So we've really... Not chemotherapy. Yeah, so especially for chronic leukemias, we've moved away from chemotherapy, which worked okay for a period of time into these more molecularly targeted therapies. So we know, you know, for instance, there's a... There's a gene that prevents these cells from dying. Well, now we have a drug called venetoclax. It's a pill, and it's able to turn that switch off where now the leukemia cells die as they normally should. Mm. And so it's better tolerated. It works better. It works longer than traditional chemotherapy. And so there's lots of these new drugs coming out. Just a little plug for the scientists out there. I can't tell you how important and how much these are different than when I went to medical school just 20 years ago. The drugs that are out there, whatever you think, of the industry and all that, and medical, this is medical science at its best. It actually has worked and changed lives. These new medications that Dr. Pease is talking about are incredible, and they're not chemotherapy, and, and that's all because very, we have had a dedication to science, mm -hmm. just a plug for science out yeah. there. Yeah, but can we go to the phone lines where they're full? Sure. And I would yeah. like to get to Let's them. Let's do that. Sylvie's been hanging in there and from Woodland. Sylvia, what is your question? I have a, a lab report from my doctor's office that says, Immunofixation continues to show the small monoclonal peak mm, sure. has increased slightly over each of the last several years, and mm -hmm. if it increases over the next year, we'll have you see one of our hematologists. Can you tell me what this means? Yeah, thanks for calling in, Sylvia. So this monoclonal peak, so basically, you know, there, there might have been a number of reasons why this was checked for you. I don't know if it started with some anemia or maybe some neuropathy or something, but they're looking at the kinds of proteins in your blood. And so we know that there are certain normal amounts of proteins that should be present. In your case, there is one type of protein, and it's a, an immunoglobulin protein, which is made by our immune system to help fight infections, and it's too high. And, you know, this could be indicative of something called a plasma cell disorder. There's a wide spectrum of diseases within that something called MGUS, something called smoldering myeloma or multiple myeloma. 
Plasma and, cell, that's another white cell. Yes, exactly. So plasma cell disorders traditionally aren't grouped with leukemias. They are um, blood disorders like leukemias. They're sort of similar. And so if you have a monoclonal peak, if it's relatively small it's and you otherwise feel well and the blood counts are relatively normal, it's not something that you need to worry about right away, but it's something that needs to be followed. So I, I agree with the on that report, if it says that the peak gets larger, that you need to see a hematologist, that would be a reasonable thing to do. So monoclonal is not a good thing. Monoclonal is abnormal, right. So our immune system should be polyclonal. It should be making lots of different immunoglobulins to fight whatever our body may encounter. Diversity. Exactly. That's the key to our immune system. If you have too much of one, that means you probably don't have enough of the others. But again, if it's a small monoclonal peak, your immune system is probably otherwise functioning normally. It's just a matter of what's going to happen to that peak. Is it going to stay the same over time, which in most cases it does, so I don't want you to worry too much about it. But it's just something to keep an eye on, and a referral to a hematologist would be very reasonable. It's a great question, Sylvia. Thank you for your call. Denny, should we go to the Let's do, a, let's do, do a quick break. Okay. Let's do a quick break and, and come right back with more. Uh, 651-989-9226. Uh, you can always send a text if you like, and we'll grab some more of those when we come back, too. Uh, that number is 81807. On this Father's Day here in the Twin Cities, heading for a high near 69 here on CCO currently, it's 59. And good morning. Welcome back to Healthy Matters. We're talking about leukemia this morning here on the show. 651-989-9226. There's a line open or send a text, 81807. Uh, doctors, let's go back to the phones. Betty is calling from uh, Coon Rapids. Betty, what is your question, please? Um, I'm on, I, I build too much bone marrow, and I'm on a medication, which is hydroxyurea, and I'm taking 500 milligrams every day. Three times a week, I take 1,000 milligrams. And I've been told I have mucinous, and I'm going to punish this, A-D-E-N-O-C-A-R-C-I-N-O-M-A. Adenocarcinoma. Right. Yes. And mucinous adenocarcinoma of uh, what organ, Betty? Blood. Okay. Well, this was from the breast cancer. Oh, I see. Okay. And it's it was mucinous and invasive. Mm. And now I have the, the blood cancer. I see. So and I'm on the, high, the hydroxyurea. Hydrea, sure. And I asked my oncologist when I could go off from it, mm-hmm. and she told me never. I'd be on it the rest of my life. Okay. I didn't know whether I was going to die tomorrow or, you know, mm-hmm. live on forever. Okay. Well, thanks for calling, Betty. So you had a breast cancer that was treated, and now you have a bone marrow disorder. And you're on hydrea. I can kind of make a, some guesses on what kind. It's probably a myeloproliferative neoplasm, which is... That was a mouthful. Right, I know. MPNs for short. They're kind of similar to leukemias. They are are blood disorders of the bone marrow. Do you know what type of myeloproliferative neoplasm? Has anybody told you the name of it? No, only that it's that mucinous Mm -hmm. one. Okay. Is that common to be on hydro- the medication she's on is yeah. hydroxyurea right. or hydrea? Right. Is so hydrea common? is an is an old chemotherapy drug. It's available in in pill form, which is how we give it, and it's it works. You know, if your blood counts are too high, it make it helps to lower your blood counts. So that's why I'm thinking it's it's a it's kind of a similar disease to a leukemia. And you, you're right, Betty. You may be on hydrea for the rest of your life. Hopefully, it's not causing a lot of side effects, and it'll if it's controlling your blood counts, then that's the that's the goal of the hydrea. I, I am a little bit curious on what underlying disease is being treated, but um, 
you can talk to your hematologist more about that. It's a little bit tricky um, to figure out. Um, it, 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 it's, it's a common drug, Betty, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm thinking you're going to live a great long time. At least mm-hmm. that's what I think. Yeah. But um, it's, especially after breast cancer, which has um, a really good survival rates. Um, but I'm not exactly sure either why she's on that medication, although mm-hmm. that it is very common. Right. All right. All right. Let's go uh, to Connie, who's calling from uh, Glencoe this morning. Uh, Connie, you, uh, you're on CCO. Yes, thank you for taking my call. Um, can you tell me what myositis is, what causes it, and how it's treated? Hey, Connie. So myositis is inflammation of the muscles, right? Myo means is muscle and itis is inflammation. So you probably presented your doctor with some muscle pain or maybe some an abnormal lab test called a CK creatinine kinase. Can you tell me a little bit more about your myositis, Connie? Um, well, it's for a friend, and oh. the muscle is just completely deteriorating mm. at a rapid pace. Okay. Got They're it. They're trying, yeah, what kind of treatments are for it? Sure. Well, the the key question is what caused the myositis. So viruses can cause myositis, sometimes autoimmune conditions that are you know attacking and, and damaging the muscle. To be honest, something that's a little bit outside of my specialty, I think with your friend's primary care doctor, a referral to sometimes a rheumatologist is appropriate. So there may be other um, specialties that will be more helpful for you than I would be. This has been a, a fun 60 seconds for me because I've been, I'm looking at Dr. Pease, who is a hematologist oncologist, and this is an area that is, um, myositis is a real deal. It's an inflammatory condition of the muscles, but it is outside of both of our areas of, of expertise. But it can have muscle pain, muscle aches, muscle weakness, and Connie, it does have a number of different causes. What uh, Largely, they start with anti-inflammatory medications. Some of them have been around a great long time. But there's also a lot of really newer treatments, too. But the important thing is to find out what caused it, mm-hmm. what caused that myositis. And, and oh, that's often a little muscle biopsy. I would strongly encourage her to see a rheumatologist, just like Dan said. I think we have time for one more call. Barbara is calling from Owatonna, I believe. Good morning, Barbara. Good morning. I have a CML, mm. and I'm on a 400 milligram of Gleevec. Yes. And will that, and I've been diagnosed like almost three years ago. Sure. Um, wanting to know if that CML, those symptoms will change, will the cells mutate into something else, or what is my long-term <laughs> prognosis for this? Great disease? questions, Barbara. Yeah, thanks for calling in, Barbara. Um, your prog- long-term prognosis is very good. So CML, you know, if you were going to make a list of like the top five, you know, biggest breakthroughs in the treatment of cancer the treatment of CML would be towards the top because 20 years ago we had some chemotherapy drugs that worked for a period of time. And then most patients would eventually require a bone marrow transplant. Now with the advent of drugs like Gleevec, bone marrow transplant is very uncommon and almost everybody will respond to the Gleevec or a similar drug and have very good long-term control. In fact, the long-term survival of CML is almost population. That's how good these drugs are. You can live as long as people without CML. Almost, almost exactly. Yeah. I know. So it's, it's great. Now, you've been on Gleevec for three years. Your blood counts should have normalized. We can measure how deep your response to Gleevec is with some molecular studies. If you get into a very deep molecular remission and you hold that remission for at least a few years, there's some debate on how many years you should be in remission for, maybe five years. This is, and this is brand new data in the last couple of years. You can sometimes actually go off of the Gleevec. 
So she might not need it forever. Right. So you, I thought that's maybe where your question was going. Do I need to stay on Gleevec for forever? And the answer is not necessarily. So if you've achieved a deep molecular remission for a period of years, if you and your oncologist are comfortable with it, you could explore even stopping the Gleevec because right now you, I think you have sort of a functional cure. The drugs give you a functional cure in, in that if you stay on the drug, the leukemia should be very well controlled. A true cure is going off of medications and still having the disease not come back. About half of the cases of patients with CML in good molecular remission will actually be able to achieve that, go off the drug and not have the disease come back. Really good news yeah. in CML. That is what I was talking about. Um, uh, we're so thankful for scientific advancements and very smart people who have done that. That's an um, uh, incredible thing. It, uh, cancer that used to require a transplant has now got a life expectancy roughly the same as the general Taking population. Taking a pill once a day. Taking a pill. That's Sometimes not even for the rest of your life. Hey, Dan, a couple of quick ones from yeah. the text line. Sure. Two people asked about LGL. Okay. And one asked about hairy cell. Sure. Without getting into too many details, because right. we've only got a couple of minutes, you got a minute. Go. Yeah. So, LGL leukemia and hairy cell leukemia. So, you know, there's about sixty thousand new diagnoses of leukemia each year in the U.S. LGL leukemia and hairy cell leukemia probably only comprise about one percent of the diagnoses. They're both quite uncommon. LGL stands for large granular lymphocytic leukemia. It is pretty unique in that you know some of the cases don't need to be uh, treated right away. And actually, when you do require treatment, which is often for anemia or low blood counts, it's actually immunosuppressive drugs we use. So we, we, if we suppress the immune system, it actually improves the cancer. So rather than chemotherapy or molecularly targeted type drugs, it's suppressing the immune system, which can oftentimes control LGL leukemia if you need treatment. Um, hairy cell leukemia, despite the name leukemia, it's probably better categorized as an indolent, slow-growing lymphoma. So we've had very good treatment for hairy cell leukemia for probably about 30 years now. A drug called cladribine is what we use first. If you get a course of cladribine, it's often controlled for many, many years. So, And after cladribine, there's new treatments to try. So prognosis is good for both those diseases. I love it, giving you some of the more rare ones to talk <laughs> about on a Sunday morning. We're running out of time. I wanted to make another quick plug. Be the match. That's a bone marrow transplant. You should go and re- register on that. Donate blood. The people who have leukemia need your help. You will help dozens, hundreds of people if you donate blood. Or maybe go to Be The Match and register yourself as a potential marrow uh, donor. Dr. Dan Pease, thanks for being on the show. We're going to be running out of time now. All right. Thanks for having me, Dave. Great to have you here. We'll have you back. All right. We hope uh, you'll join us again next week. Kidney failure and transplant is next week, I believe. It's another big topic. All right. We hope you stay with us. Uh, Your money is straight ahead here on CCO. Right now, 59 degrees in the Twin Cities. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. 